Welcome into the CHGO Blackhawks podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. I'm Jay Zawoski. With me, as always, are Mario Tirabasi and Greg Boyson. What's up, fellas? How you doing? What's going it on? It is Throwback Thursday, and today and next week, we're going to have some fun memories. Today, we're going to recap the 2009-2010 regular season for the Blackhawks. And then next week, which happens to fall <clears throat> on the 12 year anniversary of the 2010 Stanley cup, we'll recap the 2010 playoffs. So two Thursdays in a row full of 2010 action. And I cannot wait to get to it, fellas. Yeah, yeah it should be, should be a lot of fun. Obviously, you know, with everything we learned in the past year, talking about this season is a little, not as fun as it used to be. Um, you know, the elephant in the room, of course, is all the, the Kyle Beach uh, scandal and abuse and just cover up of that. So it, it kind of tarnishes it a little bit. We got to be honest. It does. It, it feels kind of weird to be like, yay, 2010, when all that great stuff that we're going to acknowledge and celebrate happened on the ice. And in the behind the scenes, this horrible stuff was going on and basically being ignored. So. Yes, we acknowledge that this also happened during this season and it sucks and it's terrible and we've we've talked about it a lot. But anytime you talk about this specific season, it would be completely irresponsible and unfair to not acknowledge that while this great team was winning on the ice, these horrible things were going on off the ice and overlooked by the organization. So this season, one of my favorites as a fan is not quite the same as it used to be because of the ugliness that was later exposed, but we're going to focus on the fun stuff. Well, mostly the fun stuff. There was some <laughs> not fun stuff that happened during this season too, as well. Yeah. And I, you know, that's the, the fallout of these things is that now anytime we reminisce, anytime we talk positively about these things, we've got to qualify it. We've got to do the remember this was all wonderful on the ice, but this happened and we can't get into the good stuff without mentioning the bad stuff. And it, when we talk about tarnishing a legacy, this is what we mean, right? They can't take the cup away. They shouldn't take the cup away. The hockey team was the best hockey team in the league that year, and they deserve to win the Stanley Cup. But now, anytime we have a conversation about that team, that's going to be the preamble to almost everything we do. Get used to it. We have to do it because it's irresponsible to not acknowledge it. We're about to celebrate the greatest regular season in Blackhawks history, their first Stanley Cup since 1961. We can't have fun without acknowledging the the crappy part that went along with it. So I think we did a good job of that. And uh, I Throwback Thursday is Greg's passion project. He kills it. He does a better job than if I spent, you know, three weeks putting this together, I wouldn't do as good of a job as Greg does. <laughs> He's just a master at this sort of stuff. So, my friend, I will give you the floor to lead lead the way here for Throwback Thursday. Well, that's putting a lot of pressure on me. I got to live up to the <laughs> hype now. Thanks a lot. You already my have, buddy. My insecurities <laughs> are just going crazy right now. But, no, this was a lot of fun. I love the Throwback Thursdays. I love doing the history stuff. Uh, so, I mean, where do we start? We start at the very beginning. We got to remember there were a lot of expectations coming into the 20. Uh, 09-10 season the previous season the Blackhawks finished with 104 points they had taken that next step they hosted the winter classic they made it all the way to the western conference finals where they lost to the red wings it was kind of like okay 
they learned to lose in order to learn how to win, and now they were ready. And then in the summer, things got ratcheted up a little bit. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> they they signed a guy named Marion Hosa to a gigantic contract. And they also brought in uh, his buddy, Thomas Kopechki. Kopechki? I always say it wrong. I always just want to call him Kopechki. I want to pronounce it like it's spelled. <laughs> but then they also brought in John Madden, who was an underrated, great veteran addition. He was a, a, a Stanley Cup winner with the New Jersey Devils. One of those guys, those coaches on the ice. He's yeah. a coach now in the AHL. So that was a very underrated signing he's one of those guys that you know his value was never shown on the score sheet it was shown at practice in the locker room on the bench uh, but that hosa contract man that was when and we did a whole episode on marion hosa a few weeks ago you can go back uh in the archives whether on the youtube channel where you're watching or wherever you get your podcast look up that marion hosa uh show we did i think it was right after his uh his return to the hawks there uh marion hosa night we spent an hour showering our hero with praise and love as we do because he's worth it. But and it wasn't enough. <laughs> no, but that that when Marion Hosa decided he was going to come here, that moved the needle, did it not? Oh, that I mean, uh, I mentioned it on that show. That to me was the indication of okay, people around the league are seeing what we're seeing here. They recognize what is about to become a very special group of hockey players. And it's funny, you know, I was watching the to, – to brush up, and it's 12 years ago. Got to get my memory back up for the conversation today. I watched the 2010 Stanley Cup DVD they put out, and it sort of starts with the 2009 Western Conference Finals loss to the Red Wings and them sort of saying, like, yes, like Greg said, we had to learn how to lose, but we also realized we got a lot of really solid young players. We've got to add some veterans that have been there before to lead us through this Madden Kopetsky and of course Marion Hosa part of it and as it goes on and we'll get to this more next week when we cover the playoffs those guys Madden and even like Andrew Ladd to a certain extent were the guys that the young players leaned on when the thing started to not go great in the playoffs like how do you overcome this how do you uh you know how do you uh how do we take the next step how do we get through this bad stretch of play those guys not only that not only what they brought on the ice but what they brought off the ice of the team cannot be oversold because they just they brought so much leadership and respect to that locker room. Uh, and this is, you know, when you look at some of the best moves in in Blackhawks history, you could you could look at that trio of free agent signings, starting with Hosa and say, do they win the cup without any of those three guys? Maybe the answer is no. Yeah, I mean, and and, and you think about you know when when you think of the the transition from that two thousand nine. Uh, you know, Western Conference Finals team to the 2010, 2010 Stanley Cup champion team. Just they were so young in 2008, 2009. And it was the young, those young guys that you're saying like, oh, yeah, they were the ones that leaned on the veterans. It was Seabrook and Keith and Taze and, and, and even, you know, Dave Bowl and Patrick Sharp. Like these guys were the young guys at that time. And it's 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 interesting to think back now, 12 years um, to that point where that was the young core and you, and you knew that that was there and they had to bring in the veteran pieces. Now it's, now you think of it, you know, those, those guys are the veterans, yeah. uh, you know, the ones that are left are, are, are the veterans of, of this, uh, this, this squad now. And it's just, and it's just fun to think back to that, to that time frame when, you know, those, those guys had the majority of their careers, 
uh, ahead of them. And, and yeah, I, I think, you know, you look at the turning point of the Blackhawks going from, you know, hope young up and coming hopefuls to legit contenders. It was that, that summer where they, you know, they brought in Hosa and, and, and they made, you know, that, that was, that was Marion Hosa coming to Chicago for a long-term on a, on a huge long-term deal uh, after doing, you know, one year with the Red Wings and and falling short in the Stanley Cup final. And the year before that, you know, getting traded to Pittsburgh for, a, for you know, a cup run, which also ended in the Stanley Cup final. So it was like you bring in a guy who had been there the two, the two previous years had fallen just short uh, in both of those uh, in both of those series. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's peak Marion Hosa making that commitment. And that was, that was an incredible uh, signing by, by the Blackhawks at that time that really sparked the, the, the dynasty basically. Well, it's Marion Hosa clearly cup chasing in Pittsburgh and Detroit. And then he yeah. says, all right, if I'm really going to chase a cup, I'm going to sign long-term in Chicago. That is huge. Mm-hmm. And think of that as a player on the Hawks saying like, Oh my God, that dude believes in us this much that he's going to sign the rest of his career basically here because he knows chances are he's going to win a Stanley Cup with us. That's got to go such a long way. Mm. And I know we're going to get to it, but we've got to wait till November to see Marion Hosa's debut. <laughs> and the Hawks are already off to a great start. And then they add that dude. It's like, come on. It's almost no. not even fair. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. And that that's a good segue into the month of July uh, of 2009 was not all sunshine and lollipops for the Blackhawks. That is for sure. In fact, the rest of that offseason was a little <clears throat> eh, not great uh, because of bringing in Hosa. Obviously, the Hawks had to part ways with the leading scorer from the previous season in, in Martin Hoblat. Other notable losses that offseason was goaltender Nikolai Hobby Bullen center Samuel Paulson and defenseman Matt Walker. Well, kind of the minuses from that team. Uh, and then it was shortly revealed after signing host of the big contract, the buzz was killed a little bit because it was revealed that he had to have some uh, shoulder surgery and he wasn't going to be available for the start of the season. He ended up missing the first 22 games of the season. So essentially a quarter of the season was missed by Hosa. But as you, as we'll get into, it didn't really seem to really affect them that much. Um, there were some other interesting things that happen. Um, the, the league uh, investigated the uh, players association filed a grievance uh, against the Blackhawks shortly thereafter, stating that the Blackhawks missed the deadline for giving qualifying offers to restricted free agents. Uh, this caused then general manager Dale Talon, who was the guy who signed Hosa, uh, to quickly sign eight players to make sure they did not end up as unrestricted free agents. Uh, and this mistake was. Uh, a big deal and it ultimately cost him his job july 14th dale talent is out and he who shall not be named stan <laughs> bowman uh that era begins i think the the whole fax machine incident was just the excuse for the blackhawks to kind of do what they wanted to do i think this move was in motion um you know the second scotty bowman comes in and you have stan bowman i think it was hey Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, just hold tight. We're going to give you that gig. And this was just the last thing to say, hey, all right, Dale's out, stands in. So that was, um, you know, as we know from Pat Foley, Dale Talon is the guy responsible for these three championships, not solely responsible. He had a big part of it. Um, 
you know, a guy that I don't think gets enough credit for for this championship is and and future championships is Mike Smith, the guy before Dale Talon. He drafted a guy named Duncan Keith. He was pretty good. He drafted a guy named Corey Crawford. He was okay. So yeah, while Dale Talon is uh, did a good chunk of the foundation, he wasn't the only guy responsible for these three championships. The first coming later in this year. What what are your memories about this? Uh, you know, this whole kind of changing of the guard in the front office that July. It, it certainly felt, I don't know if fishy is the right word, but inevitable that, that Bowman was going to be named GM. And I know there was some, there was a lot of like internet speculation about what went on, but all I know is those errors are what forced whoever's fault they were uh, is what forced the big fire sale at the end of the, of the cup. That's why you lost Bufflin and Ladd and all those guys that had to leave because of the cap mismanagement uh, from the clerical error. Um, and look, I mean, if if <laughs> let's be honest, like if if Stan Bowman had made that mistake and gotten fired, no one would really think much of it, right? Because Stan Bowman is not and was never beloved. Dale Town was beloved. He was a broadcaster. He was a good guy. He was gregarious. Fans liked him. So there's always going to be some suspicion around it. But if if any GM makes a mistake like that. That is a fireable offense. And I mean, you know, I don't think you had people tampering with the mail to screw Dale Talon. If they want to fire Dale Talon, they can. They don't need to come up with a reason to do it. People will get over to the team wins. But it was just a weird, like, why does this stuff always happen with the Hawks? It was like the Chris Gratton signing where there was like a a box unchecked or something weird (laughs) when they tried to sign him as a free agent and the fax was smudged and then the signing never happened and... This this sort of stuff always seemed to happen with the Hawks. Remember, this is before they had won a cup, so everyone's still in the mindset of the Hawks screw everything up. Nothing ever goes right. They're not, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so it was just sort of another in that line of, oh my God, come on, like let's get it together here. Why does this happen to no one but the Blackhawks? It seems. Yeah, yeah, I I, I remember feeling like, just kind of like, that's you know, it, it just felt not like like there was something being held back in, in the information that was, that was let out, but this was a, a completely different time of, you know, uh, how sports were covered and, and, and not in the age of, you know, instant information and instant insiders and things like that. Like we, uh, like, like we have now, but yeah, I remember thinking like, Oh, okay. That's, I didn't really, you know, put too much into it uh, at the time, but yeah, knowing, knowing what we know now and knowing how everything played out after that, it, it's, it was, was a, a major event um and and yeah kind of unceremonious for talent but um you know it's it, it it happened and uh i i think you know to your guys's point you know giving the giving the the, the praise to uh to, to Talon and to smith and before bowman and and really constructing the roster that he was then tasked with basically managing uh for the next couple of years um that's that's where a lot of the uh the, the dynasty praise should be should be laid for sure. I had completely forgotten about the Chris Gratton thing. Jeez, that was a uh, oof. Well, in hindsight, it probably wasn't a bad thing that they never got Chris Gratton, but uh, he was all right. I liked him a lot. He's good old 77. Yeah. I like 77s <laughs> for the most do you, part. Do you, do you still like 77s, Jay? As of, as of today, I still do. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. We'll see how that is come December. Um, 
And then there was a little more controversy before the we got to the actual hockey and what unfortunately became a summertime tradition uh, during the cup runs. Patrick Kane got himself in the news for the wrong reasons. Uh, he was arrested in Buffalo in August after he and his cousin got into an altercation with a local cab driver. Uh, ultimately, on August 27th, Kane and his cousin pleaded guilty to non-criminal discord disorderly conduct charges uh, and we're both giving conditional discharges, but not a great look uh, a guy coming off of a great season. Um, yeah, it yeah. was not good. No, not good. And again, and unfortunately this was something we had to deal with seemingly almost every summer for the next couple of years. Um, but it was a case of, Hey boys will be boys and whatever. And we uh, kind of yeah, looked the other way and, completely different uh again i you know the the technology was completely different you know now than it was back then and also the way that people viewed stories like this was was a lot different and um yeah i mean i i, I can't imagine if if something like this had happened uh to a player of that stature now uh compared to back then how how maybe different it would have been covered um but i i think i, I think at that point yeah, like you said, Greg, like, I think there was a lot of the like, you know, playful excuses and, and, and making jokes about it. But but really, you know, knowing what we know now, um, it was it was something that you would have hoped the Blackhawks at that point maybe would have pulled Patrick Kane aside and said, hey, like, we can't have you doing this if you're going to be, you know, the face of this team for for years upon years to come. And uh, it was a it was a, the first one of the first of an unfortunate pattern for, for Kane in his, yeah. uh, in his younger days. First of several. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe a, a more stern talking to and handling of this situation would have prevented a trip to Madison, Wisconsin in a couple of summers and, and a whole nother fiasco, but nothing we can do about it now. Hindsight's mm -hmm. 2020, but that, you know, it happened. So we got to uh, talk about it. And, uh, so I want well, to address uh, something on the yeah. chat real quick. Uh, Jay Serio said, wasn't Stan Bowman in charge of the faxing, which sabotaged Dale Talon? We have no, there's yeah, no, no like fact in that comment at all. These are the sort of things that like make their way onto blogs and message boards. And then because it's repeated over and over again, uh, it becomes like fact, <laughs> but it's not actual fact. No one has any proof that Stan Bowman is the guy who hit send on the fax machine and tried to sabotage Dale Talon. Those are internet rumors and nothing more. Um, so yeah, I would, I would not hold those things as gospel truth. Um, no, lots of rumors uh, around these teams uh, that have somehow become folklore in Chicago about this incident, some other players and, lots and who, and who, who may have punched who and who was extra friendly with whose wife. I guess when you hear stuff like that so often, it just you just accept it as truth. Yeah, it's, tele, it's a game of listen, telephone. I wasn't in the room when the, those faxes were sent, so I have no idea who pressed send, and I'm just going to go by what the official uh, release was. So, uh, yeah, good good point. Uh, making calling that out and addressing that. Um, I guess that's fun for some people to to speculate and have their own versions of the stories. Um, but we finally get to talk about some hockey. Yay! We finally hey. get to the season. Yes, we get to the season. And if you remember, that season started in Helsinki, Finland, with a pair of games against the Florida Panthers. 
And it was a guy that is forgotten um, a, a lot on this team. It was Cristobal Huey, who was the opening night starter. He was one of the two big free agents in the summer of 29. It was Huey and Brian Campbell that came over. Uh, that were the big additions that started to make people notice what was going on here in Chicago. But Huey got the start in that opening game. It was a 4-3 shootout loss to the Panthers in Helsinki. But then the very next day, day uh, game two of that two-game set, it was a Finnish goaltender that we really didn't know a whole lot about, made his Blackhawks debut, Antti Niemi, and it started off a little foreshadowing of what was to come, a 4 nothing shutout. For the Blackhawks' first win of the season and the Emmys' NHL debut, picking up a shutout in his home country. How cool was that? And and what did you kind of – I remember being like, well, okay, maybe this kid's got something and he can be shaky, so let's see where this goes. Yeah, it was very encouraging. And, you know, again, not knowing what's coming, it's hard to look back. It's hard – like knowing the outcome ultimately of this season, it's hard to look back on it and with like without that lens. But yeah. – just for Niemi personally to be able to do that as a free agent signing, like you said, to win a shutout in his debut in his home country is fantastic. And whether or not we knew he was going to be the starter for the playoffs or not, or, or if he was going to dethrone Huey or not, at least you had a feeling through two games that you had two pretty solid goalies on your hands. You know, Huey, I think was, he was not anywhere near what he was billed to be. But I also don't think he was quite as awful as people remember him being, too. Um, so you had a, a pretty good goaltending tandem that ultimately Antti Niemi won out and, and got that starting job, and, and thank God he did. Um, but yeah, I just I, it was just another feeling in, in that season of, look how good and how deep this team is. You've got four lines. You've got three defensive pairs plus. You've got two goalies to trust. That's what a championship team looks like. What I remember from you know the start of that season and, and and starting in the in the in the the trip to Finland was um just the the you know 2009-2010 era of YouTube and how Blackhawks TV the the access that they got it was like kind of like revolutionary at that point and like seeing you know the players uh you know in the hotels and and you know traveling and and out out in the streets of, uh, of, of Finland and whatnot. I remember that kind of content coming out at the same time of, uh, of, of them being there and, and starting the season and just, you know, just thinking like, wow, this is so cool. Like to see, you know, this side of the, of, of the team and everything. And I just remember taking away that at that time as being like, wow, this is new and, and awesome. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I have fond memories of that. And Patrick Sharp mentioned, um, you know, as part of that trip, it was huge for the bonding. You know, it's 10 days together overseas. Yeah. You're, you're rooming, you're getting to know your new teammates. You're hanging out with your old buddies, creating those bonds that you don't get to, you know, you got, you're on a three game road trip and you're traveling a bunch and it's just pretty much game morning skate game travel when you're together for a long time with no option to go home and you're always together. Those, those can be huge. And, and that mm -hmm. team certainly used that opportunity to bond and as the season went on, you saw how much that team and now with the Kyle Beach stuff shadowing over, it's like they took care of each other. Well, I guess they took care of the guys that mattered, but you know what I mean? It's just like uh, they felt that there was a close knit bunch mm -hmm. and uh, they were all together all the time. And I think that's part of having a young team is you don't have a lot of guys with family obligations and things to do. It's like it's just hockey. 
And that's what we'll be keeping our eyes on now in this new generation of Hawks as these young players come. How are they going to bond? How are they going to connect? And how is that you know new chemistry going to be born? That, that's the fun part of a rebuild. For sure. Absolutely. Maybe we need to send start every season uh, out in Europe just for the next couple of years, <laughs> just, to, just to see, you know? Hey, remember when Alex uh, Nylander scored the first goal in the uh, overseas? First goal that they would they play and they were in Finland again, right? And they put they he scored was it against Philly. Maybe it was Germany. Uh, or was that the Czech Republic? Yeah, Why it is doesn't the matter. Czech Republic coming? It Whatever. Does, I don't remember it because I have I have blocked <laughs> I don't remember it because I have blocked Alex Nylander from my memory. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. My therapist said that would be the best <laughs> thing for me moving forward. So I took her advice. Okay, um, good. Good for you. Well, it didn't take long for another memory. Just the second home game of the season, October 12th, is a very memorable night for a lot of reasons. That's where the Blackhawks fell behind 5-1 to to the Calgary Flames after the first period and then won 6-5 in overtime thanks to Brent Seabrook, who scored a few really cool overtime goals in his career, and this was the first memorable one. Uh, this was a, a fun game. This is a game that is is one of my favorite Blackhawk games of all time. Uh, I've, I've told this story before that so this was a game uh, I had taken my somewhat new girlfriend, Jill, at the time to this game, and she would end up being my partner for 10 years before she passed away in 2019. This was our first Blackhawks game together. I had season tickets at the time, and I'd always joked to people like, hey, if the Blackhawks lose the first time I take you, you ain't coming back. And here it was, 5-1. <laughs> and I was like, 5-1 after the first. I was kind of like, I, I was jokingly telling her, like, I don't know. This may be our first and last Blackhawks game. And she <laughs> says, don't worry. Blackhawks are going to win this game. I was like, yeah, right. And then they came back and won. And I was like, well, you know, I might have something here with this one. <laughs> and this team, we may have something here with them. Yeah. So that's a game that always sticks out in my memory for, for a lot of great reasons. It's, it makes me smile thinking of that. And what a great night that was. Mm-hmm. And the goal, the goal scores for the Hawks, Madden, Kane, Bufflin, Bolin, Sharp, Seabrook. Some, I mean, some pretty big names there. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I mean, that, that, that was that team. They just, they just rolled four lines and eventually wore you down. Yep. And that was, you know, the, the era of, of this, you know, franchise where you could really just say like, no matter what the score was, there they were not out of a game. Like it was five nothing. Uh, no, the, the that's we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, and, and it and it didn't. It wasn't just you know just throwing something out there just to say ah well, well who knows what happens. Like no, like literally this team can could come back from a you know a five goal deficit and yeah it was just that that was how that team was built. Um, and it, it just obviously throughout the rest of the season you know, showed, showed up so many times where, you know, they were able to, 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 to pull out games where, you know, they were, they were down a couple of goals and then in, in, you know, late in the second period or in the third period, they just flipped a switch that other teams just couldn't do and were able to, you know, come back and, and, and win some games. And it was, you know, just something that, especially against a, a Calgary team at that time, that was, you know, very, you know, very competitive, um, you know, a, a playoff contender, like, it's not like they did that against the, you know, the thrashers or something like that. It was, it was a legitimate team. So uh, to do that in, in that fashion was really just a, and, and without Marion Hosa at that point, it was a testament to like, Hey, this team is going to, you know, be, be a a, a danger to the rest of the league. Uh, Reflecting on that game, Patrick Kane said, quote, from then on, we knew 
whatever the deficit was for our team, we could come back. Yeah, that's it. Sure. We saw it how many times where they're just like, oh, okay, time to play. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was the yeah. first game where they flipped the switch. Yeah, that they did so many times over the next five or six seasons. Uh, very special, and then, and then uh, they finished the month of October uh, with an eight four and one record, seventeen points, and again that was all without Marion Hosa. And uh, you know, as we get into November, we'll uh, we'll get to a, a special game there, um, because it's not till November twenty fifth until Hosa um, makes his debut in San Jose. Uh, was that? Was that Blackout Wednesday? That the night before Thanksgiving? The that 25th. game, uh, yeah, I think it was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Yeah, I think that's right. So might have been. I think a lot of people woke up that next morning. A lot of Blackhawk fans woke up that next morning needing a little bit of a boost uh, <laughs> to get their morning going. And I'm not talking about Strava Coffee. What 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 what, yeah. what could those guys have had back in 2010, Mario? That could have made them feel a little better that Thanksgiving morning. You know, I don't know the exact uh, date that Athletic Greens was was founded, but uh, if it was back in, in 2009, 2010, uh, that those, those people would have benefited from some uh, some Athletic Greens and their AG1 formula. Uh, Athletic Greens and AG1, it is uh, formulated to improve your gut health, your immune system, and give you uh, more natural energy. It's a great way to start your day with just one scoop of AG1. Uh, you absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, uh, probiotics, and adaptogens. It's, like I said, a great way to start off your day. And uh, if you have different dietary restrictions for whatever reason it might be, whether it's gluten-free or keto or paleo, vegan, dairy-free, whatever it is, uh, with AG1, you're good to go. Um, it is a small, once-a-day habit that will have big benefits in your daily routine. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop of AG1 in a cup of water every day. That's all you need. No need for a different, uh, a bunch of different pills or supplements to look out for your health. You get it all with just that one scoop. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you got to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash CHGO Blackhawks. That is athleticgreens.com slash CHGO Blackhawks to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And remember, the best way to support us here at CHGO is by supporting our sponsors, especially PointsBet. Download that PointsBet app and use the code CHGO when you sign up. Do that right now. You're going to get two risk-free bets up to two grand, but that's not all. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you're going to get a free CHGO membership that unlocks all of our great web content. Our goalie evaluations came out this morning. Throwback Thursday piece coming out later. Uh, You'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. So two grand in free bets, a free CHGO membership, a free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all that for making a $50 or more first-time deposit at PointsBet. It's your home for live in-play betting. And it just got even better with live NBA same game parlay. That's their new feature for the first time ever. You can build the perfect live NBA same game parlay only with points bet. Combine your favorite bets during the game. Want more? You can always boost your live same game parlays. Watch live, parlay live, and boost live with points bet. And now online sign up is available in Illinois. So get out your phone. 
Download that points bet app. Use that code CHGO. You can do it start to finish on your couch. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I cannot wait. Let's get to the host of the game, please. Yes, November 25th, 2009. Hosa, first game. This was the game where we really got an idea of how scary good this team can be. Uh, Marion Hoster scored two goals in his Blackhawks debut, including one of three shorthanded goals in a 7-2 win over the San Jose Sharks, which was a really big deal because if you remember, there it is. Nice. Uh, the uh, the Sharks finished the season as the only team with more points than the Blackhawks in the Western Conference, the entire league. Yep. So this wasn't like you were beaten up on the lowly, you know, whatever – last place team was that year it was you were beating up uh the best team in the nhl they won the didn't if i remember correctly the sharks won the president's trophy in this season and they went in their home rink or the caps did yeah the caps won the uh, president's trophy but the sharks were the best team in the western conference point wise and you went into their building with your brand new shiny toy and slapped (laughs) them around for 60 minutes Late night, nobody had to work the next morning. The the uh, beverages were flowing that evening from the little bit I remember. So, uh, yeah, great, great game. And it was uh, it was just that next step. It was like this team was already really good, and now we're like, uh oh, this this. I don't want to get yeah. my hopes up too high, but this could be the one. You've just added a hockey robot to your team, right? Like a guy who is a pretty much perfect hockey player. Uh, jumps on a team that is already awesome. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. that boost that night. I remember that day of, you know, it was hard to kind of remember all the little things that went in, but as I, as there's a little snapshots of the dynasty Hosa's debut is one. I remember vividly. It was just so memorable and mm-hmm. they kicked their ass and Hosa was awesome. Like it was just yeah. all of it happening right away. And all the ex it like, it's so rare that a game lives up to the hype or a player's debut lives up to the hype. Like you think about, I remember Chris Bryant's debut was like eh, a bit of a flop. He didn't get a hit the first game struck out. I think he popped out, you know, uh, Justin Fields debut, like wasn't, he didn't light the world on fire. You know what I mean? But it's just, it's so rare that especially a player's debut is so memorable and lives up to the billing that's what, I think that's what made this one so special. And now looking back on it with the affinity we all have for Marion Hosa, um, it, that's a, that is one regular season game that I will never forget. And it was late, yeah. and it was just like, oh, my God, <laughs> you had to wait all day for that freaking game to come. And when it did, yeah, it, it, it totally paid off. And it's completely different, too, when you think about, like, you know, you get excited for like new player, like like young players, rookie players, like players that you're like, oh, this this guy is going to be so good. He's so young. He's he's part of the future. All this stuff, like like with Brian and with Fields, but this was established. Marion Hosa yeah. coming in to be to to be, you know, exact and doing exactly what he was, you know, brought in to do, which was be a focal point of the team and to to jump right into the lineup first game, coming off a of surgery and to just do that. And, and be like, oh, yeah, that's exactly why he's here. Like it was. Yeah, it was it was just a, uh, you know, put a, a stamp on on the team as like, yep, they're going to they're going to make noise. This is going to be, you know, this is a team that every other team in the league has to take notice of. It has to deal with. And, you know, even though, the, you know, the Sharks, 
you know, they finished one point ahead of the Blackhawks in the standings. I think a lot of people in the league and a lot of people, you know, a lot of fans in that game probably realize, Hey, the Stanley Cup, road to the Stanley cup is going to go, going to go through Chicago and, and lo and behold, you know, it, it went through both San Jose and Chicago. So um, yeah, it was, it was an incredible uh, coming out party for Hosa as a Blackhawk. Just imagine the Hawks had their best season points wise and wins wise ever missing Marion Hosa for 22 games. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And didn't, and didn't even have the best record in their conference. Right. <laughs> That's, right. Yeah. yeah. So, Se- second, I mean, second, uh, second only to the Sharks and yep. uh, in the West. Yeah, Capitals had the the uh, President's Trophy. The two teams that finished last that season. A little side note: uh, in 29th out of 30th, Toronto Maple Leafs with 74 points. In 30th and dead last, Edmonton Oilers with 62. Mm. So there well, you go. Well, so if we're saying, we're already... oh, this wasn't this wasn't the Thrashers. No, 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 it wasn't the 0910 Oilers. Or 0910 <laughs> Maple Leafs. They were planting the seeds to get Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid already. Yes, there five years go. ahead of time. <laughs> yes. Um, so they rolled through the rest of the year. They went eight two and two in November. They went eleven and four during December, picking up twenty two points. They carried right over into twenty ten, going ten four and one for another twenty one points during the month of January. Uh, February only had six games total. Because there was that a little uh, Olympic break there. But before the Olympics on February 12th, uh, they made a trade with the Minnesota Wild, acquiring uh, shortly soon to be disappearing <laughs> defenseman Kim Johnson or Janssen uh, and Nick Letty for Cam Barker, who was the third overall pick one year and just never really panned out. Um, Janssen didn't play that many games and then fell off the face of the earth. Uh, but Nick Letty was the centerpiece of that trade and became a very uh, more than serviceable defenseman for the Hawks on their next championship run uh, three years later. So that was a kind of a cool trade. And then, of course, the Olympics uh, took over. We can do a whole throwback Thursday just on those 2010 Olympic Games. Maybe we will. We should. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, the brief synapses as we're running you know, close to the time here. Uh, of course, it was Taves, Jonathan Taves, Duncan Keith, and Brent Seabrook all winning gold for Team Canada, beating their buddy Patrick Kane uh, in the gold medal game. An absolute classic of a game between Canada and U.S. One of the best hockey games I've ever watched, that gold medal golden, game. Golden goal. Yep. Kane gets the silver for the Team USA. Uh, Hosa and Kopechki got uh, – they they took Slovakia, a dark horse team, all the way to the bronze medal game before losing to Finland, so no shame there. By those guys, Jonathan Taze was named the best forward of the tournament. And when you consider the people that were on his just on his own roster, let alone yeah. that entire tournament, pretty high honor there for, for the Blackhawks captain being named the best forward of maybe the greatest uh, assembly of hockey players ever in one place. That was so fun. And AJ yeah. in the chat says that that was the greatest game he's ever watched, that gold medal USA-Canada game. It's hard to argue with that. I mean, that was... It was like, maybe it's because the Hawks were so good and everyone was hockey thirsty in Chicago, but it felt like the nation was gripped by that oh, game. Yeah. And maybe it was just yeah. local. Maybe it was just oh, local, yeah. but Chicago was nuts. I was at Dingers on Western uh, watching that game, and it was just <laughs> it also, awesome. It was, it was such a fun atmosphere, such a great time. 
it also helped that those games were being that, that those Olympics were in Vancouver. So there was only the two yeah. hour time difference. Right. That game was what in the middle of the afternoon, wasn't it? Wasn't it like a Sunday afternoon? I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought I it saw, was like a it was like a three o'clock game or something. Yeah, like I thought that. I saw. Yeah. I remember seeing sunlight coming through the bar window as I was watching <laughs> that game. Um, hey, close that window. But yeah, that helped too because if that <laughs> yeah. if that game was in you know the last couple Olympics and it was live at four o'clock in, in the morning, yeah, nobody would have carried. But the fact that that was taking place in Vancouver, you can show it right in the middle of the day or prime time. It was live, and that was that yeah. was the thing too. It was live. People weren't and waking it, up to the result. And that kind of put NBC on the map too for their for their hockey coverage. Uh, I don't think they had the rights at that point, but I think that that was where they were like, "Hey, maybe we should get involved in this." Yeah, um, and because they, they the, the, those games were on like Versus, which yeah. was an NBC like property, but it wasn't on NBC itself at that. Point. I thought the gold medal was on. NBC I mean, the proper. NHL games, yeah. the NHL right. the games are on yeah. versus. Yeah. So I think that was when the, the reaction to that, those games and that gold medal game, I think, led to NBC investing more into the league. And they did a really good job over the next few years. And of course, now that led to them getting the even bigger deal with TNT and ESPN and, um, you know, getting major ratings of this year's playoffs. And to me, that sounds like a good drop off here to talk about this year's playoffs and our points bet play of the week which uh panthers we're gonna yeah yeah uh, i'm gonna pick the under in the panthers game i'm gonna say uh of zero yes yeah. pick their uh pick their golf score there you go yeah uh, two under par for uh <laughs> jonathan huberdeau no uh we're gonna yeah. stick with the playoffs we've been treated to uh, a couple of really good games so far um I'm going to actually do a two-leg parlay Ooh, for this week's oh, point bet play of the week. Adventure. We're going to start with tomorrow tonight's game two, Edmonton, Colorado. Guess what I'm betting? I'm betting the over. The over <laughs> is seven. I don't think that's going to be an issue whatsoever. That might be hit in the first period, the way these two teams are scoring goals. Yeah. We still aren't 100% sure who's playing goalie, who's healthy, who's not. I think uh, I think Franco is in for Colorado. Let me yeah. confirm that. So here. that I think just I saw makes that. this this bet even better that the backup is in. Here's your backup goalie against Connor McDavid. Have fun. Enjoy. Um, yeah, big game there. But I am parlaying that with taking the money line on Tampa Bay in game two. Yes, Tampa Bay didn't look great in game one. A 5-2 loss. Was it five or six? 5-2 loss to the 6-2. Uh, they added a late goal there. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky, not good this year with eight days more or more of rest. So, hey, we saw that in that Toronto series. They lost 6 nothing in that first game. They came back and won that series. Uh, over the last three seasons, the Tampa Bay Lightning have not lost back-to-back -back playoff games since they were swept out of the first round by the Columbus Blue Jackets since 2019. Since then, they have gone 17-0 and in games following a playoff loss. To me, until they lose, that's the safe <laughs> bet. And the way they, they talked after... Uh, the game last night, they were like, yeah, we suck tonight. We're going to go watch the video. We're going to know what we did wrong, and we're not going to do that in game two, and we're going to win. And I believe them. So yeah, I am yeah. parlaying the over in game two of the Oilers and Avalanche and taking the lightning on the money line. Uh, that's my points bet play of the week. That is at plus 218 are the odds there. So if you throw $10 on that, you're going to get bad. almost 32 bucks back. 
I think that's pretty good value for two bets that are uh, minus odds, but throw them together, you get the plus odds. So that's over in Oilers, Avalanche, and Lightning on the money line is our points bet play of the week. Sweet. I like it. Nice. That's hard to argue with that logic, by the way. Yeah. That's, I, you gotta, that's very you gotta sound. got to play the odds. Yeah. Those, are, those are two things that are likely to happen. And now that I've officially put money on it, neither <laughs> will happen. But <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to go do the uh, the under tonight and, <laughs> and go Probably with the Rangers. Probably not a bad yeah. Some of us going to win. <laughs> yeah. So shortly after that Olympic happened, that gold medal game happened on February 28th. March 3rd was the NHL deadline, but the Blackhawks really didn't do anything. After getting Kim Janssen, they got another veteran defenseman on March 2nd. They acquired Nick Boynton from the Anaheim Ducks for uh, future considerations. That future considerations was a Marion Hossa injury in practice the following season. Oh, God. Um, yeah, remember that debacle? Um so this was a sign thing. Like a lot of times, like you want your team to go and get the big guy, but the Hawks were like, nope, we're cool. We're just going to get another veteran defenseman. And this is, these are our guys. So sometimes the locker room can be like, Hey, they went out and got the big name player. They believe in us or Hey, they didn't really do anything. They believe in us. Their big move was Marion Hosa. Yeah, that was their big move. It. Yeah. So you it. didn't need anything. They just added a couple of veteran defensemen and they rolled with it. And it was hard to argue with the results. March was not a great uh, month for the Hawks. It was really, it was their only month of the season where they had a down record six, seven and two, still 14 points during the month of March. But I think it was kind of like those dog days of hockey where you knew they were good. You knew they were getting to the playoffs and it was kind of like, eh, they took the foot off the gas for a little bit there. Uh, one of the notable games in March was March 25th. Uh, I remember being at this game. It was in Columbus. Uh, and we sat pretty much right by that stupid effing cannon. <laughs> and the Blackhawks lost 8-3. to three. I still can't hear out of my left ear. Uh, Cristobal Huey gave up seven goals on 27 shots and was pulled. And that was the last time we saw him in a Blackhawks uniform. That was his final start. They basically said, okay, it's Antony Niemi's job. He kind of earned it at that point, but Huey still started. That was his 46th start of the season. So it was Huey was considered yeah. the guy majority. And eventually Niemi outplayed him. And this was the final straw. He did not start another game in the regular season. And he only made a one brief uh, relief appearance in that Vancouver series in the postseason. This was it for Christian Ball Huey. This was his final game, regular season game in a Blackhawks uniform. Um, and then you get it into the month of April. Hawks closed out strong. They went 5-0-1 to finish out the season, and they, they hit a couple of milestones. Uh, on April 6th, they uh, beat the Dallas Stars for a franchise record 50th win of the regular season. And the following night, they set another franchise record uh, by picking up their 109th point of the season versus the St. Louis Blues. And on April 9th, the Hawks won their 23rd road game of the season at the Colorado Avalanche, setting another franchise record. Uh, this was a record-breaking season on many levels. Uh, and that wrapped up the, the regular season. They won the Central Division title with a 52-22-8 record, finished second in the Western Conference with a franchise record 112 points. They qualified for the playoffs for back-to-back -back seasons for the first time since 1996-1997. You're talking 13 years since they had been to the playoffs in back-to-back seasons. Hopefully it's not that long uh, where we are now. Uh, they finished 
Uh, we talked about the goaltending a lot in the MAUA. They led the league, the Blackhawks did, with 11 shutouts on the season. And they also led the league with 13 shorthanded goals, three of them coming in that HOSA game yeah. at the Sharks. So they were a team that showed you that they were deep. Uh, they can roll four lines and beat you anyway. They can score on the power play. They could score shorthanded. Hey, and if they they were having trouble scoring at all, well, we'll just we'll just throw a shutout out there and beat you one to nothing. They were a team that can win anyway. You wanted to run and gun, they could beat you. You wanted to muck it up and play a shorthanded, def- you know, sh- low scoring defensive game, they could beat you. So there it is, the 2009-10 regular season, the best in franchise history. Man, it was a lot of fun, and going through these games and going through all these stats, just a lot of memories coming back. Um, what a fun season it was. Um, you know, it was the start of the year, and as the season wore on, more and more buzzed where it was like, you know, at my normal watering hole those days, it was like there'd be like four of us that would show up to watch the Hawks game, and it'd be on like two TVs. But by like March, you'd go there and – it would be on every TV. Mm-hmm. The sound would be on. Yep. Everybody would be in their Hawks t-shirt or Hawks jersey. And by the time the playoffs ran around, came, this was a Hawks town for the mm-hmm. first time in my life. And it was amazing. Everybody was all about the Blackhawks. Um, I was working uh, full-time at the Greater Chicago Food Depository at the time. And everybody knew me you know, uh, as, as a Blackhawks guy and they, everybody wanted to talk to me, you know, the warehouse guys, the customer service guys, Hey, what about the Hawks last night? And uh, mm-hmm. th- it reminded me of a funny story talk about Christian Balhue. We had an agency uh, that came in to get food every week that was run by uh, an order of French nuns. They barely spoke any English. And I remember after that trip to Columbus and having to sit through eight goddamn cannon blasts because of <laughs> Cristobal Hue. I asked the French nuns, how would I say Cristobal Hue sucks in French just in case he gets into another <laughs> game at the United Center? But they didn't tell me. But oh, nah. I don't, Yeah, I don't know if you're going to get a bunch of nuns to tell you how to, <laughs> Live it how on to say someone's terrible. It, someone sucks. It was, it was worth a shot. Yeah, yeah why super not? Super shot. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I definitely remember um, getting to, you know, getting to the spring uh, of 2010 and, and how everything was ramping up. I was in college at the time in uh, in Wisconsin at Wisconsin Whitewater. And um, me and my roommate were, were you know, huge Hawks fans. It's it's one of the first things that we really bonded over. And we're, you know, we're, we're still uh, great friends uh, to, to this day. And, and um, you know, I, it, even in Wisconsin. It, it, it was, uh, you know, a, a lot of a lot of int- interest in in hockey and, and in the Blackhawks. A lot of people, you know, wanted to to watch some of the, you know, some of the biggest stars, up and coming stars of, of the league. And they just happened to be in Chicago with with Taze and Kane and and Duncan Keith and and, and Seabrook. Like that was, you know, it, it became those games towards the end of the end of the year and into the postseason. Those became appointment viewing. And even in college, you know, we would we would have people over at our dorm just to watch 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 the the Hawks games and and watch them in the playoffs. And then, um, yeah, it was just it it was just that that was that time where, um, you know, you want to call it the bandwagon time. But hey, that that's that's where the that tidal wave of of interest in the Blackhawks, not only in the city, um, but uh, you know, across across the country, across the the you know the NHL fan base, um that's that that point where it really picked up and uh and and from that point on you know I, I, you, you it became the running joke that the the NHL um 
you know, NBC lived off of the Blackhawks being on national games. Well, it was for a reason because everyone wanted to see some of the best players, some of the best teams. And uh, that that 2009, 2010 team cemented Chicago as as, you know, one of the premier up and come, you know, premier hockey markets once again. Well, yeah, Greg, you talk about being like the Hawks guy at your job. And that's when I was at the score and the Hawks suddenly got good. And they're looking around like, all right, well, who can who can talk about this at all? And I was like, yo, I'm your guy. And that's led to all of this, right? It led to me doing post-game shows during the playoffs. It led to me being on the air every time they won the Stanley Cup. It led to the Madhouse podcast, which now led to the CHGO Blackhawks podcast. And now, like, this is my career. Funny that it's 12 years after they win that cup. But it is what it is, and, I, and I'm here because of it. And, and it's, uh, you know, it was cool to be a Hawks fan, like a longtime Hawks fan during all this because people would go out of their way to talk to you about it. And then when they eventually did win, people would go out of their way to congratulate you. Like, Hey, I know this means more to you than it means to a lot of people. Like, you you know, you've been through a lot of the, you know, BS and everything that this franchise has put you through. So I, I know this is maybe a little more meaningful for you than it would be for the average fan. And it was, it was just cool to hear, you know, it was, it's just, it was cool to have that connection at that time of, Hey, you know, people are enjoying this and they're thinking of me while they're enjoying it, which is cool. Yeah, it's uh I hated being the Blackhawks guys the day, the morning after losses. Oh, yeah, it's the worst. Because it was always, <laughs> "Hey, your Black the Blackhawks look great. The Blackhawks were great last night when they lost. What happened to your, your Blackhawks?" Black yeah. They're <laughs> like, they're they're yours when they lose or they're mine when they lose or yours when they win. That's how it works. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Every so time. They uh you know, but that season, that season put me on this career path too, because it was the following year I started blogging on my own about the Hawks. Cause I had all my buddies that I would go to the games with and hang out with at the bar. And they would always be like, dude, you know, what's going to happen before it happens. Like you can tell us all these things. Like you need to start writing this stuff down. You need to start putting this out there because like people were always told me like, I love watching the Hawks games with you because you can tell me what's going on. And then the following, the start of that following season, I started just my own little Google blog and it eventually led me down a crazy career path, which has me sitting here talking to you guys. So without that playoff run, who knows? I still may be trying to explain what offside is to guys at the greater Chicago <laughs> food. Depository. So, you know, uh, this team, I owe, I owe this team a lot, and that's why you know the ugliness that came out about the season hurts so much because yep. I had such a special uh, uh, connection to this team. It made me want to to spend my the rest of my career and livelihood within the sport of hockey. So when all this came out this past year, it really made me question what the hell I was doing and was it all worth it? But this team will always have a special place in my heart, even with what we eventually learned uh, was going on behind the scenes. Hey, your, your point is right. And, and as you go on to the, uh, you know, oh, it's it's my team when they're when they're bad and yours when they're good. When bad shit happens, it's a my team too, right? Yeah. So people can't think of the Kyle Beach things and say, oh, I wonder what Jay thinks of this. And every party I go, and it was the same thing with the Patrick Kane rape allegation and the cab driver thing and Madison. Everything bad that happened with the Hawks would come to, on to us too, which is part of it, right? Like it happens to Adam Hogue, it happens to Herb Lawrence, like whichever team it is, mm-hmm. those guys are going to feel, they're going to bear the brunt of the bad news. But that that's why like we talk about like the Blackhawks are our life quite literally. It's true, especially now that we're doing it five days a week and it's not like a little <laughs> side hustle for all of us. 
Like it really is. And, and we are forced to answer for the good, the bad and the ugly mm-hmm. almost like the players are, you know? So it's, yeah. uh, it's, 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 it's an interesting season to cover. It's an interesting team to cover. Uh, I cannot wait to next week till we get into the playoffs. That's going to be awesome. Um, Lots to talk about. I don't even know. We may have to do a three-hour show next week. Oh, that would suck. <laughs> because we've got the, we've got the Nashville series to start it us off. Yeah, Anything seriously. Anything major happen in that series? Yeah, I mean, that's you got what I Brian Campbell wasn't even wasn't even in uniform to start the playoffs because of a, a, a dirty uh, boarding play by Ovechkin. I think that was on St. Patrick's Day or St. Patrick's Day weekend. Took Campbell out for a while. Uh, and then the Canucks, we didn't even touch on the rivalry with the Canucks, you know, the hair pulling incident. We can talk a little bit about that, but that was the second straight meeting with the Canucks. That series was just memorable. Dustin Bufflin just uh, announcing his presence with authority and then carrying that over and almost single-handedly telling the Sharks to piss off, just dominating that series. And then, of course, the Stanley Cup final. That all culminated on June 9th, twenty ten, with uh, the goal only one person in the entire world saw go in the net. And we'll talk about that on the twelfth anniversary of that very goal and the culmination of this amazing season. Next week, on the next Throwback Thursday, will be all about the twenty ten playoffs, and that's going to be even more fun than today was. Cannot wait for that. Uh, look, now is as good a time as any to remind you to sign up at allchgo.com. Become a member. Get access to our Discord. Get access to our uh, CHGO locker. Get yourself a free T-shirt. All of the great web content we have. It's not just Hawks. It's every pro team in Chicago, from the Bears to the Red Stars to the Fire to the Sky. Everybody is covered with top-notch, passionate experts, just like you have here on CHGO Blackhawks. So sign up at allchgo.com. Join our community. That's what we're trying to be. We're trying to be a community of fans uh, and we want you to be part of it. And the best way to do it is at allchgo.com. Tomorrow, we are audio only. Uh, so, you know, look for the podcast around the same time, give or take, you know, maybe closer to noon, 1230, but it'll be available. And the best way to know when it's out, turn on those notifications on your phone. Get your podcast app out, hit that subscribe button and turn on those notifications. So when a new episode drops, especially those audio only versions, you'll know the second it's available. So, we're going to sign off. We'll talk to you on Friday from my partners, Greg Boyson and Mario Tirabasi. Thanks to Lawrence for producing the show. I'm Jay Zawoski. This has been the CHGO Blackhawks podcast.